This is episode one of Ruminate. Ruminate is a podcast about the opportunities and challenges that technology presents us with every day. I'm Rob Lewis, and with me is my co-host, John Voorhees. Hi, John. Hi, Rob. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, John. How are you? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Um, well, since this is our inaugural episode, I thought it would be a good idea if we introduce ourselves to the uh, to the listeners. Could you uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, Rob? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, Rob Lewis. I live in uh, Portsmouth in the UK, and I'm a web developer for a, a web agency here in Portsmouth. Um, so I do development during the day, and like most developers, my side projects include development as well. Uh, what about you, John? Well, I'm not a developer. I'm an attorney in Chicago, Illinois, but um, I do development on the side, uh, mostly iOS. Uh, right, in, I've got an app right now called Blink, which is an affiliate linking app um, on the iOS store. So that's what I do. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I've uh, used app a few, uh, used uh, Blink a few times. So it's uh, good work, John. So no, uh, thanks. So, did you want to uh, jump into your topic today? Sure. Uh, we have a couple topics to talk about today, and one that I thought would be interesting would be to talk a little bit about how you collect. We we each collect, retrieve, and store information as we do our various projects. Um, I think this is an area that. A lot of people use a lot of different apps, a lot of different tools to accomplish various things. And it's one that can get very fiddly. Um, and I think to the detriment of actually uh, collecting the information and be able to retrieve it later. Uh, one thing I've found in in doing research, and I'm thinking about you know, research, whether it's for a pod, getting ready for a podcast or whether it's um, research to... Uh, find information that I need in order to put together an app um, is that it helps to have it all in one place. Um, the, the difficulty, though, is that especially when you're dealing with information that you gather from the Internet is you've got you may have all sorts of things. You may have podcasts that you're collecting or websites or plain text or images or screenshots, whatever it might be. Um, and one avenue that a lot of people have taken over the years is to use Evernote. And I use Evernote a little bit, but it's not one of my favorite apps. Um, I think originally it had the issue of being very proprietary and it was hard to get information back out of it. Uh, and lately they seem to have lost their way a little bit um, and be trying to integrate things like chat and other features, which I really don't need. I do still, however, use it for, I use it for development research more than anything else. I mean, I keep a notebook for each project that I'm working on. And when I find tutorials or things on Stack Overflow or other information that might be pertinent to the app I'm working on, I will drop it in there and tag it with whatever the um, whatever the API is that it applies to, that sort of thing. So it's easy to find in the future. Um, but I found more and more that what I really like is using plain text as much as possible, um, mainly because it's very fast and easy to search. Um, and my go-to app, at least on the Mac for that, is NVAlt. Um, I use it along with a bunch of different extensions and plugins and things to allow me to get information into it quickly. Um, and the, the beauty of it, I think, really is that with plain text, it's it's very searchable uh, and it's cross-platform. You can find, you can get it, you know, get at it from all different types of apps using iOS, Mac, and other things. Um, and I've really enjoyed using NVL. I've probably got about 1,600 notes in it right now. Anything from one word to multiple pages. Um, and a couple of the couple of the 
tools that I like to use along with it are some of the things that Brett Terpster has put together. I mean, one that um, of his projects, which I really like a lot, is called Answered. And what it does is it's just a um, it's a bookmarklet that works particularly with Stack Overflow, where you can um, you, you, you click the bookmarklet and it allows you to select different portions of the um, of the question and answer. So you can actually select just the answers that you find uh, useful to you. Uh, click the button again, and it shoots it straight off to NVAlt with a link back to the original page. Um, it's a really nice way to get the answer without getting all the cruft and, and chrome around it. Um, and I found that to be a, a great way to, to collect information. Do you uh, use plain text files at all, Rob? Uh, yeah, I try and use them for pretty much everything. Um, I've, I've just finished my final year of uh, university, and um, I used... I used plain text for the entire the entire dissertation. Um, I couldn't. I, I I don't really get along well with uh, you know full on word processors like Word or, or Google Docs things like that. I, I just much prefer the plain text. It you know I know what it's going to look like. I know what it's going to do. Um, generally, I use Markdown. Um, you mentioned Brett Terpstra. I use his app uh, Marked to mm-hmm. uh, to preview that. Um, and I'll generally write it in. You know, normally my text editor that I use uh, for work, either uh, Sublime Text or, or Atom, which is uh, GitHub's code editor. Um, they do have Markdown previews built in, but Marked, um, you know, has a few extra features, um, you know, jumping between sections, that kind of thing. Right. Um, the export options are very good as well. Um, and <clears throat> it's it sounds like I generally use kind of Atom, um, a little bit like you use MV, MVL. Um, you know, I see the list of files on, on the left. And I'll just, you know, edit them there. Um, I do have MVAlt, and I will use it, depending on what I'm doing. Um, but generally, I've already got a text editor open, so I'll just uh, just edit the notes in there. Right. I, I kind of use MVAlt almost as the file system because you can, you know, you can um, set an editor to be with with a, that you can open with a key command. So you can just take your MVAlt um, note and open it up in something like Byword, which is if I'm writing something a little longer. Um, I'll usually use Byword when I'm on the Mac. Um, I use it a lot on iOS as well. Uh, those are those are good ways, you know. Both I think good options for editing plain text. Um, the one thing that, but just to you know, review my notes and do short editing, I usually use OneWriter, which is an iOS app. It's been out for a while. I've only been using it maybe six months or so. I used Notesy for a really long time. Uh, but it was starting to slow down and choke on the number of notes I had, and, and the searching wasn't great. And the one, I think, the strongest thing about OneWriter is its ability to search notes very, very quickly. Yeah, I think search is pretty important um, for these things. Uh, again, you know, Sublime Text and Atom, because they're code editors, they have these, you know, advanced uh, search functionality in them. So I can search across, you know, all open files or everything in the structure or, you know, just, just the one that I'm looking at. Um, right. So it's nice to be able to find that kind of thing. Um, and you you mentioned using, you know, iOS ones. Um, I find that <clears throat> because I am sat at a code editor all day, um, you know, so I'm, I'm generally on a on my laptop. I, I, every time I try and use something on iOS, I get frustrated with, how much slower I am typing on it. Um, yeah. And, you know, 
jumping between apps and things. I mean, multitasking is reasonably good. Um, you know, it's it's pretty good on on iOS nine on the iPhone. Um, I haven't actually tried it on the iPad, but I I just find that iOS just doesn't work for me really. Um, I really just need a proper computer with a you know a keyboard. So proper computer is probably not the right word. Um, a, a traditional computer with a real keyboard, a real mouse or, or trackpad. Um, yeah, and I, I definitely get that. I mean, I I probably use iOS mainly because I have about an hour commute each day each way. And if I'm going to be coding, I'll I'll bring along my laptop. But a lot of days I just bring either my I use my phone or my iPad, and that's that's where you know when it comes to text editing, I'll 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 use iOS is usually when I'm commuting to work and back. Yeah, I think um, an interesting part of that is the the new split screen on on iOS nine with the uh, you know the little sidebar uh, where you can have a second app. Um, I think that will certainly increase the usefulness and you know maybe i'll i'll try it out with my ipad when that comes out um but yeah as it stands i i I, for me personally ios just really doesn't doesn't work for me for for writing or or taking notes really right now i'm really looking forward to the split view i think that's going to be great for for instance um i spent a fair amount of time after wwc this year watching the the videos while i was commuting to work and it'd be it'd be great to have the video in in hovering over a text editor and be able to just take notes and you know if nothing else timestamps where i can go back to if i want to use something that was demonstrated on on stage i mean i think that having it for that kind of thing taking notes on videos or researching on the web and taking notes uh, all those things would be are going to be real terrific yeah definitely i mean obviously you mentioned that you you know you use the ipad or your iphone on your commute do you have any other apps that you use to um you know to get links and things like that into into these notes yeah, I do. I mean, I, I use, I guess, um, for general uh, collection of reading material that I'm not going to read right away, I've always used Instapaper. I think Instapaper is the one third-party app that's been on my home screen since I very first got a- an iPhone. Um, I've used that for years. And, you know, I'm li- like a lot of people, I, I collect more links than I'll ever read. But I do like now that it has the folder feature, uh, and I try to, you know, I have I have one set aside for the, uh, my iOS business stuff that I, I'm going to read um, that I think will be useful in, in the uh, development of apps. I've got another one that's kind of a short list that if, if all else fails, I'm going to try to get to the short list, and then I have just kind of a general dumping ground. Um, but I do put a lot, of, a, a lot of information in there, and I find that a, a good way to find links again later uh use a do use some pinboard apps not as much um as i thought i would when i started using them um and part of it comes back to again the problem with the more these different services and tools you use the more the harder it gets to know where everything is so more more than often than not i just try to keep everything um in nv alt except for reading materials and then i guess except for um I guess image image heavy tutorials and things like that that I find on the web that I'll drop into Evernote and, and use that way, um, and then just editing. As I said, it's it's really a combination of ByWord on both the Mac and iOS, which I just find handy that it that it exists in both places. I do use editorial some, um, although not nearly as much as I I use ByWord 
uh, and then and then one writer to edit notes. Um, but the the benefit of the, the nice thing about having just one folder of notes is that it doesn't really matter at that point what app you're using as long as it can see that folder and see those notes. And that's why I kind of hop between whichever editor I think suits the the needed hand um, where I just feel like using on that particular day. Uh, I, I'm more concerned, I think, about where the information lives and that it all be accessible kind of at, at, you know, at, at any one given time. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, one of the main reasons that I've, you know, on and off over the last few years tried Evernote. Um, you know, I, I open it up, I move my notes over to it, you know, I try it out for a few days. And then I find myself frustrated that I can't, you know, just open those notes in, like you say, MV or, or you know, Byword, something like that on the on iOS if I quickly need to access these things. And as you say, Evernote seems to be going in a slightly strange direction with, you know, a lot more... Um, a lot more collaboration tools and, and, and things that maybe aren't so useful to people that have been using the service for quite a while. Right. And I've never really needed the collaboration tools to any great extent. So that's not really a, a selling point to me. And it does have the benefit of having everything in one place and it handles a lot of different types of, of media. Um, but I find that, you know, 90% of what I need is, is satisfied through just keeping text, whether that's, you know, converting a web page into Markdown or, uh, typing it in myself and or saving links to NVAlt, that that really takes care of nine out of ten you know, problems that I have to solve. So, and, and I guess the only other category of things where I collect information would be would be task based, I suppose. And that's you know I, I primarily use OmniFocus. I'm not what you would call an OmniFocus power user. I I um. Uh, I'm definitely guilty of using their forecast forecast view and assigning things to dates and then having things over long lists of overdue tasks. Um, but I do find that handy for kind of day-to-day -day tasks on bigger projects. Um, like when I'm working on a new version of Blink, what I'll typically do is um, create a, an Omni outliner outline. Uh, I find it useful to just keep a running list of features and problems and bugs and things like that, that I can drag around up and down and kind of uh, prioritize them roughly from things I'm going to work on first down to the things I'm going to work on last, especially now that Omni Outliner is on um, the iPhone. I don't do, I don't create a lot of out outlines on my iPhone, but it is handy to have them there where I can refer to them if that's all I've got and check things off if I have check boxes for things that I'm working on and maybe do some light editing. Um, I don't know exactly why I, I split that those things out. Perhaps it's just because those lists tend to be very long, long lists of you know, emails I've received from users who are requesting features to things I, you know, features I think of, that sort of thing. But I, I find an outline format for that sort of thing a lot more handy than Omni Outliner. I mean, Omni Focus. Yeah, for me, when I'm I'm planning something out, um, you know, I've tried out, you know, Omni Outliner and, and uh, some of these other kind of mind mapping and, and outlining tools. And for me, I always end up coming back to just pen and paper. Um, yep. it, that, that tends to work really well for me. I can just kind of write everything out. And then, you know, once I've done with those notes, you know, once I've got the outline, I will just put it in, you know, a markdown file or something like that. Um, and in terms of tasks, I, I really like Clear. Um, mm -hmm. 
from uh, Real Max Software. It's just such a simple to do app that works and does exactly what I want it to do. You know, I can just have different different lists. You know, shopping and things I need to do for one project, and and I kind of just split out projects into different uh, task lists in there. Um, they've got the watch app so that I can, you know, access that when I'm shopping or, or, you know, just need to quickly see what's, what's going on in the lists. Um, and they've obviously recently added, uh, reminders as well. Um, and talking of reminders, I also use, uh, an app called Dew, which is just a, you know, just a, a little reminders app. Um, but you can have it snooze, um, or, or, you know, remind you every hour, or if you're really want to go for it you can have it remind you every minute right um so that 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 works really well for me things that aren't necessarily need to go in a calendar or or a to-do list but you know take the take the bins out or you know go and get this thing from somewhere um i can just set a quick reminder it'll remind me i get that done mark it as done and and you know that's that kind of keeps me keeps me remembering all the all the little things that you end up having to do that that maybe don't fit into a traditional uh to-do list yeah no, that's a good point i do a little bit of that myself i mean i've especially once the um the the clear watch app came out i started trying that again especially for things like uh, as you said shopping uh, creating lists you know i've got to go out and run a bunch of errands and i just kind of check them off as i'm going driving around town find it really great for that sort of thing um and, and pen and paper is is uh something that i use as well i mean i i ha- usually use field notes notebooks that i carry around with me and in the morning as i'm walking down to the train station uh, if i think of something i'll jot it down um, or i'll sit down and i'll plan out real quick here are the f- three or four things i'm going to try to accomplish today they're all in OmniFocus or some other app as well but sometimes it's just nice to um create a real short list and say these are the things i'm absolutely going to get done today it's just a good way of kind of organizing your day yeah absolutely um i think that pretty much uh covers covers all of the uh the ways we're taking notes i think um so maybe we should uh move on to our next topic sure absolutely so i wanted to talk a little bit about uh ad blocking uh running ad blockers that kind of thing uh marco arment put a post up uh, a couple of weeks ago now um talking about whether how it's how ethical maybe it is um to run ad blockers that kind of thing um do you run an ad blocker john on you know what either on on your phone or or on your mac i do on my mac at the moment i have only been doing it for a few weeks now i've tried using um, ghostry and it's i've been real happy with it i i have thought about and toyed with ad blockers for years and always felt kind of bad about it generally, which I, I think Marco does a good job of kind of explaining how people feel about these things. Um, and because I, I know a lot of people who make their living off their websites, and I don't want to deny them that. And I frankly don't really mind ads if they're done tastefully and and not over the top. Um, but things have gotten really out of hand, especially with, the, you know, the autoplay video, uh, things moving all around the screen. Um, trackers and all that. So I thought I'd give it a try. And so what I've been basically doing is uh, I, I turned it on. And then as I visit sites where the ads don't block me, I just white whitelist those sites. Um, and it's made a big difference, both in terms of battery life and, um, and uh, you know, the speed with which uh, sites will load. How about you? Have you been using one? 
Um, yeah, I use, uh, I think it's called Adblock Plus is the one that I use. Um, and I, I installed it when I got this, uh, my latest uh, MacBook, purely because I noticed that battery life, I mean, I, I use Chrome, which is um, notoriously, it's fairly bad for battery life on, on the Mac anyway. Um, right. But I, I installed it because it was it was really was all the flash ads and like you say auto playing video and all this kind of thing um, that was just significantly affecting my battery life. Um, you you look at a site like like The Verge and, and some of these other big big media outlets and the sites just take such a long time to load that all of that is killing your battery life. And if you visit ten, twenty, thirty of those articles a day, um, it really has a significant impact. Right. And when I'm doing research for whatever project I've got going on, it's not unusual for me to have you know, 20, 25 tabs open at one time. And some of those sites are constantly pinging back home and running some sort of JavaScript or other code um, that's going to hurt your battery even more. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's an article that we, we've got in our show notes, um, which we'll get to in a minute. But the, the article itself... Um, I, you know, I've had it open and, and every kind of, I've noticed every couple of minutes, it's loading something in the background. I, I can't quite work out what it is. Um, it's obviously a tracker of some description, um, you know, and this is, it's just a, a news article, you know, I've, I've opened it up in the background to refer to it in a minute. And yet it's still, you know, loading some kind of tracker from somewhere to, right. you know, presumably work out what I'm doing on the site. Yeah, I, I think what pushed me over the top in part was that I, I've traditionally used RSS to get a lot of my news, and I followed at one time probably 300 different sites. Um, and with you know reading RSS through a reader, you don't really see ads for the most part. Um, but I've been getting more and more of my news from Twitter in the you know the last year or so. And found that you never know what's going to be. At, you know, there are interesting articles, but you never know what's going to be at the other end of that link. And found myself just faced with more and more junky sites that have, and by junky, I mean uh, the content's not junky, but there's just too many, too many ads and too much going on. Um, so Ghostery has kind of solved that problem for me. Yeah, I've done the uh, the article that I mentioned is um, an article about Firefox um, have in one of their developer builds now have just added an ad blocker um, to their private browsing mode. Um, so if you go into private browsing mode for you know whatever reason, uh, all all of the ads, you know the trackers, that kind of thing, they'll all be blocked. So you genuinely are in a private browsing mode, um, and I would I would think that you know, given a few more builds and, and releases and things like that, that perhaps this will become part of the, uh, you know, the standard browser um, in Firefox and, and possibly, you know, maybe Chrome or Safari or something will add things like this, um, which, you know, it, may, it might have a, a big impact on, you know, these sites that run just, just way too many ads and, and, and really cause problems. I mean, like you say, there's definitely a little bit of guilt there when, you know, there's there's sites that you read that that, that earn their money through um you know what i would call kind of reasonable adverts like uh, marco arment so i think he has two adverts on there or, or maybe just the one so it'll be interesting to see um if something like this being built in will will really uh have an impact on on how these sites um sort out their adverts and things like that right right and well and we have all the you know the uh, ad blockers coming to uh, coming to iOS with iOS nine too, and I, I saw you just posted on Twitter recently a, a blog post from Murphy Apps, which is making a 
an ad blocker called Crystal. And I think that had some interesting statistics in terms of both load times and page sizes when they uh, when they applied their ad blocker to to you know Wired, New York Times, Business Insider, Kotaku, PC Gamer, and a bunch of other sites. Uh, yeah, they. Were, I mean, they were seeing um, you know kind of fifty percent increases in in load times and you know the, just the size of the pages. So I think the the content blockers. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe if Apple promote them in the app store as well, which would be interesting. Um, you know, I think it will bring kind of access to these ad blockers to, you know, a significant number of people who just use their mobiles. You know, they just use iOS for pretty much everything. You know, um, you know, not everyone is walking around with, you know, a MacBook and an iPad and an iPhone. You know, they maybe just have one or two of those devices. Um, so, you know, it'll be good to give these people the option to get better battery life and especially if you're concerned with data um which i know is a problem in you know a lot of countries i mean we're quite lucky in the uk that uh, a lot of our carriers will offer unlimited data so we don't we don't have to worry about it too much but you know that isn't the case everywhere right right now i have uh, i still have an unlimited data plan on my iphone but it's it's already been downgraded to unlimited it's unlimited unlimited with qualifications in that once I get to five gigabytes, they start slowing me down if there's congestion on the network. So you know, an ad blocker makes a big difference if you're trying to conserve the amount of data you're, you're using. Um, you know, and I looked at the WWC videos on contact content blockers, and it's interesting because it's really fairly simple to build one. I think we're going to see just a ton of these things. You basically have to uh, just define a JSON dictionary of rules for what you're going to display and what you're not going to display. It's, um, you know, you got to come up with the rules, obviously, but the implementation of the content blocker itself is not, not that complicated. Yeah, I've seen a few um, people, uh, developers and things, tweeting that they're building uh, content blockers that are specifically targeting uh, tracking as opposed to ads. Um, because I think the tracking for a lot of people, um, it, it can be the issue. You know, people don't feel like it's uh, reasonable that if somebody sends you a link and you click that, you're kind of giving explicit content, uh, you know, you're giving your consent without knowing what you're consenting to. No, that's exactly right. I mean, I've found many times, you know, be shopping online, I'll go to some site, and then whatever I was shopping for chases me around the internet for weeks, whether I bought it or not. I mean, they're, you know, they're smart enough to know what you were looking at and chase you around the internet, but they don't know whether you bought it or not. So maybe you didn't buy it because you don't want it. And so now you're being bothered by whatever it was you looked at one time, or you bought it and you don't need it anymore. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) and you're still being chased around by it. Yeah, definitely, especially if it's something that you uh you know you wouldn't need to buy again. Um I was bought uh bought some kitchen appliances. Um you know, the kind of thing that you buy once every what five, maybe 10 years assuming that they carry on working. Um you know, and I was continually seeing ads for for weeks for these things and and they, you know, there is no way I'm going to need to buy another microwave or another toaster. Right. So, Rob, I thought we would also maybe just share a couple of apps that we've been using lately and and found interesting. Um, I saw that you've been posting a lot on Twitter using an app called um, Pilot Movies. What what's that all about? Uh, it's a uh, plot plot movies. Oh, the, plot uh, movies. Okay, it's the it's the app. Um, yeah, this is an app uh, made by somebody called uh, Ben Howdle. 
and Jack Smith, and it's a it's it's just a um, you know a list of of movies that you've watched. So you know you watch a movie post it on there you know you can comment you know leave a little review that kind of thing um people can follow you on there so you can kind of make you know maybe get movie recommendations um also has some uh watch list functionality um you know so i can add for example ant-man is a film that's you know i know is coming out soon um that i'll be able to download um and it will it will send you push notifications when those films uh come out at the cinema um which is quite nice so uh and I, I quite like it to keep a, just keep a list of, of what films I've watched because um, I, I generally don't watch too many. So it's nice to see a list and go, actually, I have got, have watched more than I thought I had. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I was doing, I've was i been doing something similar with an app called iShow. Uh, and they just came out, oh, I don't know, maybe a month ago with iShows 2. And iShows 2 is for tracking television shows. Um, and... Uh, it's really well designed. I think this update was was really is really pretty fantastic. And you know, you can add in various shows that you're watching, track them, rate them, uh, know when up sh- upcoming shows are coming, see uh, plot summaries, that sort of thing. So you know, for instance, if it's a show you've not there are several episodes out and you haven't been watching it, you can kind of keep track of what what's out there and and what you're going to watch next. Um, it also has a trending and popular section, which um, if you're looking for something new, it's kind of nice to see what, what other people who use iShows are watching. Um, the one I think downside, it's got something called tracked TV integration, which is a website, a web service for tracking television shows. It looks like a good service, um, but that's the back end that they use to, um, to sync across multiple devices. Um, and, you know, yeah. So you have to sign up for the service in order to do that, which is fine. But I guess I would just prefer um, a little uh, a simpler option, just like Dropbox or or iCloud, something that just um, you know, adds those to my device without requiring me to sign up for a service. Yeah, I think iCloud is definitely a something that um, you know should be included in in a lot of iOS apps. I mean, I say this knowing full well that iCloud can be very difficult to to deal with. You know, even some of the best developers have come out publicly and said this is really difficult. We're not using it. You know, Panic I think famously came out and said it's terrible. Um, I think it was Net Newswire as well. The the developer of that said, look, I tried to use it and I can't. Um, so you know it. it Although, as an end user, I would still like, I think, as you say, maybe iCloud or, or Dropbox Sync, something like that. Um, right. So does iShows, can you uh, kind of mark episodes that you've watched and that kind of thing? Or is it more just a, it will tell you what what's available? Oh, you can mark them. You know, you can uh, rate them, mark them, that sort of thing. So it is very good if you're binge watching some sort of show on Netflix or something like that. Um, you can keep track of what you've seen and what you haven't. Um, so that, that works really well. And you're right about iCloud. It's not always the easiest thing to implement. I mean, some, some aspects, it's gotten better. Some aspects of it are easier than others, but, um, uh, as an end user, I, <laughs> as you know, end users, they don't care whether it's hard or not to implement. You just want what you want, right? <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, it's worth checking out, especially if you watch a lot of television. I don't watch a ton, but I actually... I think it works well in that scenario as well, just because it allows me to track what's coming up without having to, um, and, and reminds me of what's coming up, up without having to go look for it, which, which is nice. 
You know, Rob, one thing that you sent me, or I saw you post, I, maybe I saw this first on Twitter, but you you had, uh, you mentioned a guy in Portsmouth who who was storing shoes in his cupboard. What was that all about? So, yeah, this is a, an unusual story that came up in uh, on the Portsmouth News, um, which is the, you know, the local news from where I live. And a, a guy had bought some shoes from uh, a shoe retailer in the UK called Clark's and uh, had kept them in his cupboard for 10 years. Now, I don't know why you would buy shoes and then store them, but that's what he did. Um, and then he tried to wear them recently and they, they, they broke apart. Um, <laughs> so he... So he tried to, he obviously told Clarks about this and presumably the newspaper as well. Otherwise they wouldn't know. Right. Um, right. He tried to get a, he tried to get a refund, right? And they told them you don't have a receipt, so we're not going to give you a refund. Yeah, absolutely. They offered him, uh, I believe that they doubled their original offer of 10 pound. Um, oh, okay. so he's, uh, so, you know, he, he's up on the deal. I mean, it's, it's his own fault for not wearing the shoes for 10 years, I think. Well, maybe he was doing kind of a Steve Jobs and just, you know, he's going to wear Clarks for the rest of his life, right? Oh, absolutely. I so he bought, he bought 20 pairs of Clarks and put them, put them in a cupboard, figured he'd wear them as each one wore out, and uh, instead he walked down the street and, and the soles of his shoes fell off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It has a, a wonderful, um, it's a wonderful example of what UK local news is like. It's the, the photo with it is just the guy holding both the shoes broken. Um, just looking a little bit, a little bit annoyed that they've fallen apart. Yeah, no, I like that. That was like the grumpy old man picture, standing there with his shoes in uh, four pieces, you know, two soles and two uppers. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's actually a site dedicated to uh, to these kind of stories in the UK uh, called uh, Angry People in Local Newspapers. Um, uh huh. And and it's, this is just something that I, I don't know what it's like in the US, but in the UK, all of our local newspapers. Um, you know, and news outlets will just have these very kind of mundane stories with, and then they'll send a photographer there and say, right, take a picture. And they'll kind of make the person look as angry and annoyed as possible. Right. And for bonus points, kind of point at the thing that's annoyed them. Um, right. That, that generally is how it works. Well, this is what the internet's good for. You can spread this stuff worldwide now, right? I mean, the people of Portsmouth are, aren't, aren't getting an exclusive. I can uh, check this out in Chicago, Illinois, and be amused by it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah i um the other night uh just completely switching topics on you but another strange one that i i found here is um i had something called a an official captain sparkles pizza the other week um and that was from pizza hut they i guess it give, i think this gives you an idea of how big youtube has gotten there's a there's a youtuber who does uh let's play videos for uh, Minecraft called Captain Sparkles, and my 12-year-old son is really is almost 12. He's 11, but he's 12 in a couple of weeks. He uh, he's very into Captain Sparkles, and he, Captain uh, or Pizza Hut decided that they would get some YouTubers and have them design pizzas for them, and they dubbed them uh, Taste Pioneers. So Captain Sparkles is a taste pioneer who put together a pizza with I think it was. Bacon. It's really not that strange a pizza. It was bacon, uh, salami, and pepperoni, and it, but it was pretty awful. It was. I mean, I think that's more a testament to Pizza Hut pizza in general, I guess. Than, or at least, I don't like it that much. But it was. Uh, it was kind of a gross pizza. I don't think I'll be having it again. But I did find it kind of fascinating that that um, 
we now have like designer pizza from YouTubers out there. Yeah, it's not something that um, I, I don't watch. You know, I watch YouTube videos when they get sent to me, things like that. But I don't uh, subscribe to channels or, or know any of these people, really. Um, I guess CGP Grey being the exception to that. Um, right. He's really the only YouTuber that I know of. Um, and, and obviously Brady Harron, who does the Hello Internet podcast with him. Um, but beyond that, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you the names of, of any of the people that made the videos I watch on YouTube. Um, and I guess it's just a different different kind of um section of the population as you say your son really into this knows who this captain sparkles guy is um i had to google him and still didn't recognize him i had no idea who he was yeah no he exactly no he's um one of these fairly big youtubers i think i mean who with doing minecraft videos makes a fairly good living doing it an excellent living doing it um and I'm—I guess I'm kind of like you. I don't really watch that much YouTube. I, you, I find one-off videos that I save in Instapaper usually, and then every now and then I'll go watch a bunch of them in a row. Um, but other than that, I don't. But um, especially my kids uh, and my youngest, who's 11, he will watch YouTube and watch these Let's Play videos more than I'll watch regular TV. So that's definitely—I um, think that's the future right there. Absolutely. Um, and talking of pizza i I got probably a little bit more ashamed of this um pizza hut in the uk did a burger crust pizza uh, which is as the guardian the guardian describe it as a 2800 calorie monstrosity oh my Um, gosh (laughs) and the crust is the crust is a micro little uh, small burgers with melted cheese on the top and uh, and you get you know one of these mini burgers in each slice um and I ordered one, and I ate it, and it tasted like <laughs> shame. I bet it did. <laughs> I shouldn't have ordered it. Um, I, I couldn't resist. I got caught up in the hype um, with the you know the leaflets and things. But again, um, I mean, this probably sounds slightly worse than the Captain Sparkles pizza, which, but yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, I probably shouldn't have ordered it. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing these days with food. I mean, I've seen like you ever see uh, Cable Sasser on on uh, Twitter. He's he regularly posts all sorts of strange fast food and and snack food that he finds um, in stores. I saw, I saw God, what was it? I saw some really strange potato chips the other day. There's cinnamon bun potato chips um, and some other strange flavors that they're all testing out in Canada. Yeah, I do think I've seen a few uh, weird flavors of of things that um, I actually do remember about probably about 10 years ago now. They did uh, ice cream flavored uh, crisps in the UK. Oh, man, Um, they they did. They they didn't last very long and they weren't. That sounds terrible. Um, (laughs) At the time I was working for uh, Woolworths, which is a used to be a retailer in the UK. They're they're not here anymore. Uh, They shut down quite a few years ago. And and I was working there, and we sold these crisps in, in the big uh, multi packs. And every week, we we just they wouldn't sell. Um, and I end, I would end up buying like two or three of these for like ten p a bag. Um, uh huh. And and I would eat them. I was like sixteen, seventeen, and, and oh, but they were horrible. I don't I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Yeah, that does sound terrible. So I think that's enough about uh, food now, John. So uh, I think we've probably come to the end of all our topics. So um, I guess all that's left to say is uh, thanks for listening. If you've downloaded and listened, thank you. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at RMLewisUK or uh, my website is RobLewis.me. 
And John, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at John Vor at John Voorhees. That's J O H N V O R H double E S. And you can find my apps and other projects at squibner.com. Okay, excellent. Um, and I will speak to you in a couple of weeks then, John. All right, thanks.